chapter 2. Amen. I want somebody to take this for us here, Sister Jen. Do this for us here. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Praise God. I've got more, a lot more shattered pieces to give Jesus. Hopefully you can put it into something good. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that none of us be soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word or by letter, as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. They come falling away first. That man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalt himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sit in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might reveal in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the workings of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all the seemingness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they might believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we're bound to give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the gospel. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory for Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or by epistle. Now the Lord himself and even God, even the Father, hath loved us and given us an everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Comfort your heart and establish you in every good word and words. Lord, bless our service tonight. Bless our Bible study. Give us understanding. We love you, God. We appreciate your word. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. You may be seated.
My title tonight, we're studying about the man of sin. There's such a person in the Bible called the man of sin. It's found in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, there's such a man. And you read his resume, his future attributes that he's going to unfold and release in our world. And Paul says, Many are going to believe in him and be deceived. And the reason for that is they had access to truth, but they didn't love it or embrace it or welcome it. And therefore, God shall send them strong delusion that they believe a lie and be damned. Let me digress a little bit and say this here. I don't understand why people who know the truth live on that precipice the tipping point where they could fall in the precipice. I don't understand that. Especially so much the more as we see the biblical days spoken of by the Lord is being fulfilled. It is possible that so-called believers don't believe. They think, well, maybe it was just won't happen and it's just a man talking, just a book written, like so many dismiss the Bible. But, you know, why would a person go on the Internet and, and date an ungodly boy or an ungodly girl? Why would they do that? And why would they go to bed with someone who's not their marriage partner in sin against God? And, and they know the truth, and then they end up being lost. You know, that's a silly lifestyle. And how can a person expect to be happy outside of truth I don't understand that. But I guess they got better knowledge than I got. They got better revelation than I have. But I know all the pleasures of life is in the hand of Christ Jesus. Everything else outside of him is damnation. It says that they all might be damned who have no love for the truth. And they're going to believe a lie. No, a strong delusion means that you got a belief that you believe is true and it's not true. And so people are going to believe something that's not true and end up losing their soul or be damned or whatever the case might be. It's called strong delusion because they had access to the truth. But the Bible says Christians must stand fast. Because God called us by the gospel to salvation. God called me and called you to escape what's coming on our world. Now, some will argue nothing is happening. Everything is continuing as they were from the beginning. But the Bible says there's coming a lifestyle, a man who's going to have tremendous success working on the influence of Satan's power. Having Satan's seat, authority given to him with all deceivableness. That means what you're seeing is an illusion. It's not true. What you thought was right is wrong. And God called that, that even among his people, some are going to fall away. I'm reminded of the sixth chapter of Genesis that uh, the sons of God believed something contrary to what Noah preached, and they perished in the flood. They shouldn't have perished, but they did. 
a whole bunch of them, millions of them perished in the flood because they believe a line got damned. And so Paul is writing to the Thessalonians and said, There's coming a man who is not yet revealed, but is, is the son of perdition. That word perdition was used toward Judas being destruction. And Judas went to his place, wherever that is. I sure don't want to go there. I want to talk to you about this man of sin. Now, there's a man in our life called the man Christ Jesus. There is the man Christ Jesus is in our life. Amen. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Amen. Let this mind be in us, which was in the man Christ Jesus. There is no man on earth that can duplicate Jesus. You cannot take his place. He's the only man that ever lived a sinless life. Absolutely sinless. He lived out all the commandments of the Old Testament. In fact, he said, Have anybody convinced me of sin? Pilate says, We find no fault in him. So, 33 and a half years he lived on this earth. Even Satan took him up on a hill to test him out, and he couldn't find any fault with them. So, Jesus Christ is the true God-man. He's better and more honorable than Moses. He deserved more majesty than David, King David. He's a better captain than Joshua. He's a chief high priest above that of the man called Aaron. And in all things, he is the fullness of the fullness. Jesus Christ, the man Christ Jesus. So the man, I mean the literal man in shoe leather, the man that walked and was hungry and eat food and ate bread. Let me tell you right now, when Jesus referred to himself as the son of God, he's describing his own limitation on earth. Self-imposed limitation. No, I have limitation. I didn't impose them on myself. They were given to me. I'm born limited. But he imposed on himself limitation. And some folks get confused by that. Now, there are some scriptures you need to pay attention to. You have got to be able to defend what you believe. Now, I am, I'm concerned for this church in Athabasca, St. Albert, because I don't know what you know. I really don't know. I don't even know what you believe. I don't know what you accept and what you reject. I have no way of knowing. That's none of my business because only God can tell that, can deal with that. But I want to say to you that the Bible says he deceived the whole world. He deceived the whole world. I've never met anybody who felt that they were deceived. We all think we're smart. We all think we know it all. We all think we're wise-hearted and we can figure things out and calculate things out. And that's one of the reasons why we're so stuck upon ourselves. We, we, we reject good, godly advice. We, we, we throw a decision behind our back. We never live up to our full potential. We never achieve because we think we have it all down pat. And it's not true. It's not true. 
the mere fact we're floundering, the mere fact we're, we're, we're struggling, and the mere fact we are limited and we're not getting where we should be tells us we don't have the answer. But there is a man that will seek to take the place of Jesus in your life, in my life. I'm talking about the man, not a man, but the man. He's called the man of sin. Now, let me tell you what sin means. Sin, according to the Bible, means transgression of the what? Of the laws of God. That's what sin is. It's the transgression of the laws of God. Now, the laws of God is in this book, all 66 books of the Bible. It defines what sin is. So this man of sin, meaning that's what he does. But I want you to notice he's also religious. Because even though he's a man of sin, he's claiming to be God. That being God is sinful. That's what he's saying. If he's God and he's called the man of sin, then I can, by extrapolation, God is sinful. And he sit in the seat of God. That means you don't need God. I'll be God to you. And he opposed anything that is worshipped outside of himself because as far as he's concerned, he's all that you need. He's the one that will do whatever you have need of. And he said, I sit in the temple and he's showing that he is God. Hey, look at me. I am God. I'll be your God. And the sad case is the power he has is coming with all power. And all signs and all lying wonders to convince us that he is the man that we need. He is the man for your life. But if I said with all deceivableness of unrighteousness to them that perish, them that perish. In other words, God tried to save us from this guy. But because we didn't love the truth, because we play with the truth. So my question to you is, what does it mean? And they all slept. Does it mean you got her in your 90s or in your pajamas and you went to bed to get a pillar? That's not what it means. It means you are totally oblivious that you're being taken. You're being swallowed up by that slimy serpent and slipping down his throat. And don't realize you're being taken for a ride. That's what it means. He said that they all might be damned who believed not the truth. They didn't have a love for that truth. Can I say amen? Let's worship God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about the man, Christ Jesus. And if you have a concordance, trace it through. And see how many times the Bible talk about the man Christ Jesus. There's one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. Amen. So we know Jesus Christ was a man. Now this man is going to pass himself off as Jesus. So I want to talk to you tonight about the Pope. I want to talk to you about the Pope. I've seen people on their deathbed that could have been saved, and Christians are right there on their deathbed trying to turn them at the last turn in their life to Christianity. 
but the grip of the woman, Fatima, the grip of the candle, the grip of this guy on their lives, make it so difficult for them to break free that they go out into eternity believing a lie. The sad part is the person they're believing in does not even believe what he tells them. But it's of necessity must put on a mask to capture you. Amen. The guy who will sell you this as being genuine, he knows it's not genuine. He doesn't believe it's genuine. But he has to confess to you it's genuine. Otherwise, how's he going to get you? You got to convince you it's genuine, but he himself does not believe it's genuine. And I think of the Philippines and parts of Africa. Millions, millions believe that that man is the Holy Father. In ancient times, Baal worship involved the kissing of his toe or the ring or whatever. The kissing continues, but maybe in a new location. But the same practice, they kiss. God said, I have people who, was not, who have not bowed, which they all do to this guy. They bow to him. And they kiss his ring, and they call him Holy Father. You didn't realize how the church got started in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I will build my church. I, not me and you, he said, I will build my church. Now, we know Jesus didn't build the tabernacle. Moses did. We know he didn't build the temple. Solomon did. But he said, I will build my church. I, Jesus, will build my church. Nobody's going to do it. Paul didn't do it. Peter didn't do it. John didn't do it. He said, I'll build my church. I'm the master builder. And I will lay it upon a rock, and that rock is Christ Jesus, the Father. He says that. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, when Jesus built that church, we did not have and still do not have any visible representation on earth that is the head of the earthly representation of the church. We have a man at the UN called the Secretary General. He's Secretary for all Prime Ministers. He's not a Prime Minister. He's a Secretary to all Prime Ministers. So you got one Secretary. Many kings, but one Secretary. He take notes for all of them. Nowhere on earth is there any person or persons that can stand up on any platform and said, I am the visible head of all Christians. It doesn't exist. But it does not mean that people won't usurp that authority. For example, the Pharisees sat in Moses' seat, claiming to be what? Moses. That means they make laws and change laws and rewrite laws and violate laws because they figure they have the power to do it. 
And to be saved, you have to come through them. Now, we just read a while ago in 2 Thessalonians, there's a man that will sit in the temple, right? In the seat of God. Now, it's easy to be done because God is not on earth visibly. So we like tangible, visible things. That's why faith is a problem to us. It's hard for us to have faith because we have to see it to believe it first. But God said, no, you have to believe without seeing. And that's how it is. And, and, and so there is no person on earth that we can come to. This church is not the head of all the churches in the world. No. In fact, no person at any time in their life or this life will ever see the entire church in one place. It is totally impossible for any person at any time in their life to say this is the sum total of the, the church on earth. You will never be able to do that. Because here little, there little. In this city, in that city. One here, five here, four here, 20 over there, 100 over here. Much people in this city, none in this city, da-da-da. And they're all over the place. And the only way God worked with that church is by the Holy Spirit. When he left us, he didn't say, I leave you in the hand of Peter, James, and Paul. There are no scriptures for that. Didn't say, I leave you in those men's hands. No. He said, I will send the comforter. And lo, I am with you. Not sometimes. There has never been a time when the church is without the presence of Jesus Christ. And if he's present, he doesn't need a surrogate. He doesn't need a substitute. I'm staying here tonight talking to you. I do not substitute Jesus. I cannot do that. Because it says, I am with you and I shall be in you. Notice his location. He's not on the pew or on the pulpit here. He's in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's never been a time when there's an absence of Jesus. He's never absent from his church. In other words, the church has never been without a head. <laughs> this is not a body without a head. But it's a visible body where the head is not seen. But that does not mean the head is not here. I can tell you right now, there are microwaves going through this building. You cannot pick it up, but neither can you dismiss it. You can't say it's not here. There's electricity flowing through your body and my body, and you can't measure how many ohms there are, how many resistance there are, and capacitors are involved, and all that stuff involved. You don't know how many electrons are flowing, and protons and neutrons, eh? and isotopes. You don't know what's going on, but they're here. This little board here seems like it's dead to you, but it's not under a microscope. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's alive. And God is invisible. Praise the Lord. Now your sister can help out here, your personal saints. All right. And so God is invisible. And God knows who and where we are. Now, when Jesus was on earth, he was under the Roman system. It's a Roman system. He was born on the Roman Empire. Herod was their viceroy for Caesar. Herod represent Caesar to the Jews. Jesus was born a Jew. Under the law of Rome, he was displaced to be born because Caesar made a decree. And his mom had to obey it. That's why he was born where he was born in Bethlehem. But really it's from Nazareth. That's where he belongs. And so Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ grew up under a Roman Empire system. Make sense? And died under a Roman system. When they asked him, should I give Caesar taxes or not? He said, give me a coin here. Whose image is on this? What did he say? Whoever image is on it, give to that person. Give to Caesar that which is Caesar's. And give to God which is temple money. So Jesus obeyed the Roman system. Now, who crucified Jesus? Rome. With the assistance of who? Israel. They combined together forces and crucified Jesus. While he was alive, who rejected Jesus? The Pharisees. They competed with him for leadership. And when Jesus was on earth, they said he's not the son of God. They said he's a bastard. He's born of fornication. And his mom cheated on Joseph and gave birth to him. That's what they said. That's what they told him. That's what they said to everybody else. And everything about Jesus was derogatory and mean and finally killed him. But like the scripture said they would. It's allowed. So, but before he died, he told them, you guys sit in the seat of Moses. In other words, they were changing Moses' what? Law. And they were like acting like God in the place of God. And now Jesus came to compete with them, they thought, get him out of here. Because now he's winning all the attention, not us. Now, they call him Beelzebub. So when Jesus Christ died, and the church day of Pentecost started, notice, the church at Pentecost started in Jerusalem. There were no pope. The word pope didn't even exist. Emperor. There were emperor or Caesars. There were various Caesars, Augustus Caesars. There were Caesars of different parts of Roman system. Oh, there were emperors. Are you with me? And they want to be called Lord. If they were not worshipped as Lord, they would just cut your head off. In fact, they wouldn't cut your head off. They'd crucify you. Or they'd burn you to the stake. So that Rome killed thousands, hundreds of thousands of believers. They run for their lives. They massacred them. And the Jews supported it because the Jews said these are heretics. They're not Jews. They're not Israelites. They're pagans. And so the Jews supported the killing of Christians. They did. 
And Paul called them enemy of the gospel. They were enemy of the gospel. And they helped until Rome turned on them later on and started destroying them too. But eventually, you know, the Christians were being martyred. Rome wanted Christians to be loyal to Caesar and not Christ. So Christians were called the illegal religion. If you're caught, you go to jail. You put on trial, and it costs you your life. They stoned Stephen. The Jews would stone Stephen, and the Romans would crucify the Christians. There's no Islam. Muhammad isn't born. Muhammad came 600 years later after Christ. So all that time before Muhammad is born, Rome, the fourth kingdom of Daniel's vision, were responsible for stomping out Christianity. Well, obviously it didn't work, because the more they kill them, <laughs> the more they grow, the more they believe God for, for greater stuff, and obviously they couldn't stop them. So Constantine realized, I can't destroy these guys. Now, he lied, because Satan is the father of lies, and gave a lie. So you, you, you can't kill them guy with a sword or with lions and bears. And they're not going to give up. They love Jesus too much. Join their religion. Exactly what Balaam told Balak. Mix Christians with pagans. Oh, those are Balak told. Balaam told Balak. You can't destroy these people. You, you can't do it. The only way you can do it is let, let the, the righteous people mix with the unrighteous. And then their God will kill them for what they're doing. Because he's a jealous God. He was smart. So the Roman prince did exactly what Balaam would have, Balaam would have done to Israel. And you know, you know what happened, don't you? Balaam introduced ba ba Baal to Israel. Israel couldn't get rid of it. Even though they have Jesus Christ. Even though they have Paul. Paul called it Belial. Same thing. It never left. So when you step out of the faith, and you step into false religion, it's hard to get it out of your system. It gets in there and it stays in there. That's why you don't play footsie with the devil. Now, we, we notice here that uh, Constantine, having a rival in his own Roman Empire, they got two rivals, emperors, fighting for dominance over the kingdom of Rome. He's got four sons and, and different uh, men that rose up through the rank and challenged him. And he said, you know what? You can't kill these Christians. Everybody tried. It didn't work. Nero couldn't do it. Hadrian couldn't do it. And then all these guys couldn't do it. Let's get smart. Let's join them. How are we going to do that? They worship, they said, the cross. Now, it's not true. Rome always had a cross in their, in their religion. Rome always go to battle with a cross and an eagle. But it's symbolic of something different. So why not tell them we have a, a vision, a dream, that God of heaven showed me I should... Not persecute the Christian, but worship the cross. 
Well, he told that, and people thought, well, Constantine making sense. And pretty soon his, his, his mother, Elaine, Ellen, she said, I'm saved. I got converted. Now that even bolstered her son more, Constantine. So if mommy got it, got to be okay. And so he embraced it, and he won the battle at the bridge. Like he said, he saw it a dream. So now he said, okay, we're going to stop persecuting Christians, stop killing them. Now, by this time, folks, the apostles are dead. Bishops and elders and pastors and teachers and evangelists are the ones that take care of the church, with Christ being the invisible head. They're led by the Spirit. They're guided by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost tells them where they can go, where they can't go, what they should do, what they shouldn't do, etc. Well, you know what happened? According to the Bible, they, they legalized Christianity and allow them to have buildings and stop taking away their stuff and allow them to pay taxes and tell their priests you have to pay taxes and all that stuff and we'll allow you to worship your God and, and we're going to make sure the pagans and the Christians Come with a diverse religion. Another word here, diverse. The very key word today, diversity. I mean, get a stew. Get it all together. In other words, don't be particular. Be for diversity. Unity in what? Diversity. Forget about what separates us. Find what join us, the cross does. Bring us together. And Constantine looked and recognized that I'm going to win these guys. They don't worship idols. And as you know, the history tells it very plainly, he, Constantine, began to paganize Christian names. Hey, call this Mary. Call this baby Jesus. Call, call this God the Father. And a whole lot more. I don't want to go into tonight, but... When he was through, then he changed all the festive days and gave them Christian names, like Christmas and many others. That's documented. True, true. And, but the kingdom is still fighting. They're still fighting. Not the Christians fight, because the pagans were put in jail if they fought Christians. And the Christians said, oh, this guy is great. This guy is sane. And so next thing you know, they begin to lose their authority of being Christians. They're being amalgamated by this one man who's claiming conversion. This man is a man of sin. Cutting out the fourth kingdom. And he's changing laws and times to suit the new religion. Now at first, if you go to Rome, you can see for yourself, you know, the wolf of Rome. <laughs> oh, that Romulus was raised by a wolf, two wolves, and all that stuff. It tells you in Rome. We've been to Rome several times. And they tell you how Rome came into existence. And that same pagan tree was called the pagan religion of Rome, which Christianity fought against, and Paul fought against, and lost his head over it. Amen. And Peter got killed over it. But now they're called the Roman church. And Constantine got smarter. Hey, 
you know what? That's not good enough. Called Roman Catholic Church. So from Roman religion to Roman church to Roman Catholic. Because the word Catholic means universal. And they do pull out Pentecostal to say, well, come on, we're all Catholics. No, we're not Catholics. It's a buzzword that complement diversity. But it means compromise, assimilating. And so he's fighting, and then he got his bishops. The new bishops now, these guys are not converted people. Because Constantine was not baptized in Jesus' name. Never had the Holy Ghost. That's his, his lying vision and dream that he had. He passed on, and he just usurped the position of authority that he's now the head. Well, he's, he's the head politically of Rome, but not of the religion. And he wants to be the head of both, because in the Roman system, Caesar was both God and what? Political leader. It's called Pontifex Maximus. The highest position of the priesthood in the Roman system. That means politically, he's the emperor, and spiritually, he's their high priest. Now, they, they offered sacrifice a long time before Christ came on the scene. They did to Paul. They call him Jupiter and one Mars. Is that right? They're going to offer up sacrifice to them. So that's nothing new. But to whom do they offer them up to? Now, you have to realize what is happening here. The devil is smart. He will do anything to catch you. You name your price and he'll meet it. The devil will. If you tell him what you want, you'll make sure you have it. Because all he wants is to capture you at will. Amen. And so the devil uh, told Constantine, your kingdom is divided. This bishop called Arius is causing problems. And the church is having problems in the east and the west. Because you got the east as the Middle East. And then you have the west, which is Europe. They're fighting each other back and forth over who is right for who is wrong. And it's a long story. I don't want to go into it. And they can't figure out who Jesus is. And they're trying to figure out who the Father and the Son is and the Holy Ghost is. And they're fighting over it. And some believe that God of the Old Testament is not the New Testament and vice versa. So they quarrel. And Constantine said, my kingdom is divided. And I need to stop that. Because I'm being torn apart politically by the rivalry of religion. Which I'm trying to stop by merging Christianity with paganism. Well... He called for a council of Nicaea. Notice it, folks. All the councils, the five major councils that formulate the doctrine that are believed today came out of the land on the country of Turkey. Turkey. Nicaea is where? In Turkey. Ephesus is where? Turkey. Chalcedon is where? Turkey. They're all in Turkey, because that was Constantinople, right? And after one of his sons, where, where Rome reigned for a while till Islam took it from them under the Ottoman Empire system. Now, we find they come up with a doctrine called the Trinity. Is God one or is God two or three? Everybody got their ideas. I'm not going to go into them tonight. I'm going to tell you they have all their ideas. Now, the apostles never had that issue. 
There's nowhere in the Bible where the, there's ever a question with the apostles have a problem with the Godhead. They knew that Matthew 28 19 meant Jesus. By their drama and their performance, Acts 2, they baptized in Jesus' name. Acts 8 16, they baptized in Jesus' name. Acts 10 44 to 48, they baptized in Jesus' name. Acts 91 6, they baptized in Jesus' name. Acts 22 16, they baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. Is that right? And Ephesians 4 12, it goes on and on and on and on. It's all in the name of Jesus. What you did words or deeds, it's all in the name of Jesus. It was always Jesus. They knew that Jesus was the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. They had no problem who Jesus is and who the Holy Ghost is and who the Father is. It was never an issue. But these men, 300 bishops of the Roman Church, who now become the Roman Catholic Church, argued, fought, Banish each other and exit each other from, from, from land and offices, sometimes kill each other, until they finally come up with a word called the Trinity, which is a Platonic, Plato's idea and a Pythagoras theorem that teaches the triangle. Now, you're bringing philosophy into the church. One man, a man of sin, Acting just like Balaam did to Israel. You can't destroy them with a sword. Do it doctrinally. Let them disobey the first commandment. Don't bow to any of the gods besides true God. No idols. 26th chapter of, of Leviticus in verse 1. Don't have any idols. Don't do it. Don't bow to it. Don't kiss it. Don't worship it. But he convinced them. How do predators get kids? Give them candies. Then they kidnap them and do all kinds of abusive stuff to them. You don't see them again. How does devil catch gullible Christians? Offer them freedom without the cross. And next thing you know, they fall for it. Easy, but you pay a heavy price more than it's worth. And so what happened here is that the church believers, the true Christians, never believed that Constantine was saved. Never accepted him. Well, what do you think Rome did? Rome killed both sides. Killed pagans who would not become Christians and killed Christians who would not become pagans. She worked both sides and stomped them out. Go after them. Hebrews talk about them. Look at Hebrews. Describe them. How they're slaughtered and murdered. Well, you know, eventually the church retreat and run and hide in dens and places of that sort while the visible Roman Empire fall, the religious pagan Rome rise with a new name, a new culture, that they've adopted. In, in the book of Daniel it says, the fourth kingdom was more diverse from all the others. Let me tell you what diversity means. Diversity means exactly what they mean today in Canada. Diversity means Canadian is no longer British, but it's every nation from the world. A melting pot. So the fourth kingdom will be a melting pot of every religion, every nation, every kingdom of a tongue, and for example, 
in chapter 13 of Revelation, go there, you're going to find she's described as having various body parts of Islamic countries. She's described as having seven heads, ten horns, the body of a leopard, the bear, and the lion. We know the leopard means Greece, and the bear means Persia, which is Iran, and the lion means Iraq. So somewhere, Rome is going to engulf and drafting all those people today and make her a part of our religious political system. If you want to break it down into religion, look ahead here and jump ahead of myself here. Well, we know that Iran are what? Shiite Muslims and Iraq are Sunni Muslims, and we know Greece are democratic. So you got a hodgepodge stew. That's where diverse comes into be the being. That's what it means, diverse. Now, the ten horns mean the ten European countries. So it's a unification of system. So she's not just a beast like, you know, it's a Iraq was a lion and, and Iran was a bear. And Greece was a leopard. That's pretty clear. But there's a beast with all the trappings of the other animals. That means she pulled them all in and she merged. It's multicultural. That's what it was. Think about it. Now, I'm going somewhere with you today. All right? Now, when Rome decided on the tr Trinity... All the bishops did not agree. But Constantine says, get rid of Arius. Banish him. And we're going to settle for that. We're going to agree on that. That's what I, I, I said to agree on. From now on, God is a trinity. Triune God. 325 A.D. Your great-grandmother and your grand-grandfather believe that lie. If you're not careful, you believe that lie also. And they fought, and they forced, and they fought, and they forced everybody globally on the Roman Empire to worship the Christian cross that Constantine gave them, and also the Trinity. And that became the signature point of the Roman Church, today called the Roman Catholic Church. Well, the head of the church was Constantine. Now, Constantine's going to die. While he was dying, one of his bishops said to him, Sir, you're not baptized. Oh, he's too sick and ailed to get up and get baptized. So one suggested, here's some water, and they sprinkle on his forehead and absolve him and that's how he got baptized and from that day hence baptism by sprinkling take precedence over baptism by immersion if you go to Rome and look in the basilica there's a baptistry there which they used to go down into but when the emperor changed it what do you think going to happen Going to change also because the fourth kingdom is going to change times and seasons. And the world are going to be led by him because he is the man of sin of his day.
He's the forerunner. For example, next week, Friday, is the 25th of December. Every professing Catholic, every professing Protestant church, excluding the date of the witnesses, are going to celebrate Christ's birth. And in fact, maybe some of you privately were going to do it, secretly in your heart. Like they worship the, the moon god secretly, Tamas and Cineramus. Maybe you do it secretly, I don't even know it, with your family. I don't know. That's your prerogative. We taught you the truth. But we know that the, the Roman system brought that to our world. But why did they do it? Because they got to fit their sun worship. They worship the what? The sun god. This is the reason why Elijah said, if your God's a sun god, let him send fire without you striking a match. And he couldn't do it. So they got killed. The sun god, which is Baal, S-U-N. Well, the S-U-N became the S-O-N. You can't see that? All right. And so what happened here, but really next week, it's called the Hanukkah, which represents the time when a Syrian prince, like Prince Charles, tried to destroy Jewish worship after they survive under the means of the persons. Try to destroy it, and he became the absolute personification of the Antichrist, the man of sin. Well, God raised up four men from a family called the, the Maccabeans. And these men fought and won and brought back the temple so when Jesus would be born, it would be around. If these men had not fought, Jesus wouldn't have a temple to be born in. Because Antiochus Epiphany, which was a Syrian, are you with me? Coming out of the Grecian Empire. He forced the Jews to stop worshiping Moses' way and to worship with swine's flesh, which is abomination to God. And he sat in their temple and claimed to be God. They threw him out. And he died from a sickness, whatever it was. Nobody killed him. He died on his own. And they celebrated that winning called the Feast of Annika, where the lights burn in the temple beyond one day to eight days. So December 25th is not the birth of Christ, but the Feast of Annika. Now, Christians don't care. Well, the pastor ain't going to tell them. Why would he tell them? All he wants is the salary and go home, have a good, you know, turkey, and that's it. And take the food a little further. Because the congregation is a bunch of fools. They got no wisdom. They don't no, no, no smarts about them. They won't take it out. They're gullible. They believe it. And they pass gifts around to each other. But look why they pass gifts around. Go look and see why they do it. Look at Halloween, how they pass gifts around. Go see why they do those things. 
And see, why they're brought in Christianity, we are copying demonism. God says, come out of her, my people. But this man of sin, because he reigned over the world politically and now religiously, they are forced to worship God as a trinity. That continues until many indulgences came in the system. Constantine is dead, but you got successors. Constantine never said he was a successor to Peter. That was a later development. Constantine just said, I'm the head of the church. I'm the emperor. Well, that's not new because in Roman Roman system, the emperor is God. Pharaoh said he was God, didn't he? And they worshiped Pharaoh until Moses proved he's not God. Nebuchadnezzar thought he was God. Don't worship anybody else but me. You bow to me, or I'll kill you. Right? And that's breaking the first and second commandments. And the guys then wouldn't do it, so they threw him in the lion's den or the fire of the furnace. As the case might be. So, why? Because they're gods. Right? They're called the gods of this world. Now, what happened here, the Roman church continues. You're not born yet, but you, your ancestors are around. And a guy called Martin Luther, a German priest, rose up and rebelled against the existing pope. And refused to offer indulgence, refused to do what they said, and came up with a new teaching that the Pope is not infallible. He's just a man. Scripture is above the Pope and not the next way around. And they tried to kill him, and he succeeded. And they fought for 30 years. They fought for dominance. They couldn't win the battle either way, so they decided to make a truce. Now, the Roman Empire wanted to kill anybody who believed in Martin Luther. Martin Luther did not deny the Catholic teaching except certain things, like the infallibility of the Pope and the promise of Scripture, and that Jesus alone, not the Pope, can do these things. So he was excommunicated, and he formed what's called the Protestant group, because the name Protestant, listen very carefully, Protestant is not a biblical name. It comes from the word protest. The princes of, of Germany said we protest against what Rome is trying to do to this man, our reformer. So the Protestant church came into existence. From the Protestant churches, they bring with them the Trinity doctrine and most of the Catholic belief system and festivities and all that stuff. And they claim that they are the church of Jesus Christ. Now, folks, because they can trace their history, and because you and I can trace our history outside the Bible, they figure they have more preeminence and authenticity than we got. But don't forget, if you are called a radical or a cult, you can't write books, because if you write books, they burn your books. They burn the Bibles. They burn scriptures if they were not of the Catholic faith. Is that right? They burn Tyndale. They burn all those guys. 
They martyr them. They kill them. They, they slaughter them. So there's no way you're going to find any history of the true church in any library. The only way you can find your history of your existence is back to the book of Acts. It sounds pretty like a bad cold tonight. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the epistles, and the Old Testament, the New Testament, that's the only record you can resort to to prove your faith. You cannot go to an encyclopedia. You can't go to some manuscript or Dead Sea scroll. God's not in the Dead Sea, he's in the Living Sea. <laughs> oh, clap hands to Jesus. I'm trying to help you, church. I'm trying to stop you from being deceived. You're being deceived right now by the world and everything that's going on. And if eight souls can escape this deception, it's going to be worth it. I said, if eight souls can escape the deception of today's situation, it's going to be worth it. Noah only saved eight. Only eight believe and listen to him. Protestant churches are described very clearly in the Bible. If you read Revelation chapter 17, God described the Roman Catholic religion. He never called her a church, not once in the Bible. We call it the church, but God does not call it a church. He called it names which are well-defined in chapter 17. You should read it for yourself. In case you think I'm being disrespectful, he named it. He named the Pope. He named the cup in his hand. He named what's in the cup. He named the impact of that cup. And he named the influence it had on the nation of the world. Very clearly. I'm not making it up. Jesus Christ describing the Roman religion, not the Roman Catholic Church. There's no such thing as the Roman Catholic Church. There's the Roman religion. And I always say it's right for the Roman religion to believe in the Trinity if they want to. That's their religion. It's looking from the sprinkle if they want to. That's their religion. And if they need a pope, that's fine with me. Don't bother me one bit. That's their religion. But it's not the church. <laughs> Thank you, folks. I, I see what the aiming corner is on this side. <laughs> and this time, I'm not sure where you are. You're, you're coming to the light. And over here, I'm not sure what light you're in. <laughs> but the word diverse means a diversity of beliefs all thrown into that cup. It's called the filthiness of our abomination. Now, I'm going to give you some description that are lies that they teach as truth. Because the word deceivableness means I'm giving you lies and passing it off as truth. That's what deceiving means. I'm passing on lies to you let you believe it as truth. But when you're done and wake up in the morning, you find yourself you have been taken for a ride. 
So what we have today, we have somebody in a temple called the Vatican is fulfilling Ezekiel 28, verse 2. Son of man, speak to the prince of Tyrus. Thus said the Lord God, because thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am God. I sit in the seat of God, in the midst of the seas, that mean people. Yet thou art a man, and not God, though you set your heart as the heart of God. Every Muslim, every Islamic country and believers really believe that the Roman Catholic are Christians. They all believe the Pope represent this church. Speak for this church. And they all assume we're all Trinitarians. And we all accept the dogma of the Pope. My question is, who speaks for us? Who is our representative? Surely not me. Definitely not the Prime Minister. And definitely not the Papa Pope. The Bible said, kiss the son, lest he be angry. It never said, kiss the Pope. I'm not sure which Bible you read, but the Bible said, kiss the son. And son means Jesus Christ. And the Pope Definitely not Jesus Christ. Because he was never a bouncer. You folks are messing out here. Today I heard on the radio, my wife was telling me I heard afterwards, an entire school in the United States are being converted to Islamic faith. Well, it's going to happen anyway. Like it or not, because we're living in the world of diversity. Diversity means unity at all costs. Make changes and adjustments. But let's have peace at all costs. And only Rome have the skill to do that. Everybody will stand for the distinctiveness. Rome said, I'll be whatever you want me to be. I'll be your chameleon. Come to North America, meet North American First Nation Indians, and say, I'll smoke the peace pipe with you if you want me to. Go to Africa, I'll beat your drums if you want me to. Huh? And go down to the, you know, the Philippines and all those countries. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll nail ourselves with the cross if you want me to. Or some other place, you know, we'll paint ourselves. I'll be whatever you want me to be there. Just let me in. You know? To the gay, I'll be gay. To the lesbian, I'll be lesbian. To the atheist, it's okay. All roads lead to heaven. Doesn't matter. Come on in. You're God's children. God's grace is. God's grace will work for all of us. Come on in. It doesn't matter, man. Don't make an issue. Come on. Diversity. Now, let me read some stuff to you I wrote. No attempt is being made tonight to insult or be disrespectful to any religious head. And the goal of us reading the Bible 
is to find out the claim that some are making that they're the apostolic succession and primacy of Peter, the apostle, the first pope. We're going to use a scripture and check and see if these claims are scriptural. Because Jesus said, if you want to know who I am, search the scripture. If I want to know who the pope is, I'm going to search the scripture too and see if he's genuine or not. If it's speaking not of him, then I can't believe on him. You've heard the term vicar of Christ. The term means in place of Jesus Christ. Also, the representative is the very Christ on earth, having absolute authority and infallibility. Also, it means having the power to bind and loose on earth, as well as to rewrite scripture. This person alone can elevate others to sainthood by beatification as well as remove any from purgatory at will. Let me define the Pope to you. The Pope is a self-elevated successor of Peter who claimed to be the chief bishop and father, head of the so-called apostolic faith on earth. He is the high priest and he alone is the mediator that can forgive sins. And you delegate that authorities of his priest. Even though the Bible tells you the Levitical priesthood ceased to exist, the Melchizedek priesthood is in place, and Jesus Christ is the only one that sat down and is the high priest forever. This man, Christ Jesus. This is this Pope, said, this man, Christ Jesus, is the high priest of the house of God. All right? This man claimed that Peter gave him the keys of successor. I find no scripture where Jesus hand Peter a key or keys. It's not in the Bible. Nor I can't find any scripture where God made Peter the chief of the eleven or give any edge on any of them anywhere in the scripture. Now the Pope if he's going to assume Peter's position as his successor, then he must claim everything that comes with Peter. Because when Gehazi went to the Syrian captain and wanted his Babylonian garment and gold and silver, which he got, the prophet told him, that's not all. Take what comes with it. Leprosy. If you identify with Jesus Christ, you take on his cross or the curse of Christ. Let me tell you something about Peter. The Pope don't tell you. Peter was not the apostle to the Gentile. Paul was. It's all based on scripture. Jesus did not leave the church on the, any apostolic succession. Jesus remains the head and the chief bishop to this very day. The Holy Ghost alone is the teacher of the church today. There's no visible human head of the global church on earth now or forever. Romanism may be universal, but it's not 
the church of Jesus Christ. Just say amen. You're going to see why I'm telling you all these things in just a minute. Who was Peter? Peter was called by Satan, by Jesus, Satan. Is the Pope then Satan? Number two, Peter lied and cursed. Is the Pope then a liar? Peter denied Jesus. Does the Pope deny Christ? Peter said he was a sinful man. Is the Pope sinful? Peter was accused of racism. Is the Pope racist? Peter said Peter, Jesus said Peter was not converted. Is the Pope not yet converted? Paul rebuked Peter for wrongdoings. Can the Pope be corrected for his fallibility? Peter was naked fishing. Is the Pope naked? Peter confessed having difficulties reading Paul's writing. Does the Pope have problem understanding the epistles of Paul? Peter refused to believe the resurrection when Mary told him. Does the Pope reject the resurrection? My point to you, ladies and gentlemen, is this. If he's a successor of Peter, then he must have the total resume of Peter. And Peter was not immaculate, infallible. He was not without fault. And Peter was not raised to ascendancy because Paul says, I labor more than them all. And Peter did not carry the weight of the churches. Paul says, the cares of all the churches was on me. Well, since 311, Polica Rome adopted a version of Christianity at the as a state religion. All were forced to worship with all its pagan assimilations and creeds. Listen to me now. With the death of the original apostles, the emperors declared themselves as successors of Peter. Paul and the apostles were rejected by Rome. Apostle John was banished to Patmos by Nero, a Roman emperor who believed he was God before 9680. Now, church, you know this. When all the apostles died, only one was left. What's his name? John. Show me one place in the Bible where John left anybody in charge of the apostolic church. Please help me, folks. We've got the Gospel of John, the three pieces of John, and no place I see cardinals or popes or vicars of Christ. It's not there. It's a lie. Yet many people believe it and practice it. You know why? Because in the book of Nahum, she's called the well-favored harlot, the mistress of witchcraft. I'm not making this up. I'm not being derogatory. I'm not being insulting. I'm trying to defend my faith against claims that seek to corrupt our hope. Let's clap your hands. What the Pope did is took the place of the Pharisees. The Pharisees sat in the seat of Moses. 
Now the Pope sit in the seat of Jesus Christ. Even though Jesus was the only priest that sat down once and for all. Because there's no more sacrifice for sin. And the word mass means sacrifice. From which come the word Christ mass. So you are celebrating Christ mass, which is not in the Bible. And if you look carefully, the word X mass used to be used, which is a symbol of the devil. Now, listen to this. The Roman Pope Papacy came out of, historically, there were, he was an emperor, then a Caesar, and then the Pope. That's the, that's the order that comes to us. Now, the source of Christian persecution was Rome. Caesar was Lord and to be worshipped. Papal gave their lip service. They adopted Christ as Lord, but served Mary. It's Mary they really worship. Jesus is only a front case used to deceive the unsuspecting person that want God. Rome forced paganism on the believers, and Islam used jihad to subjugate the rest of Muslim religion later on. Because Rome and Islam fought for the heart of people to be in their religion. The crusade was Christian so-called Romans fighting jihaders for the heart of believers. One would crucify us and one would behead us. Rome forced the world to worship the trinity of gods. Islam forced the world to worship Allah. One used the cross and one used the sword. Rome and Islam fought against each other for centuries to get the preeminence over the world. Rome crucified the resistors, and Islam beheaded them. Rome exalts the popes above its converts, and Islam exalts Muhammad above all the believers in their faith. Now, they claim ownership of the church Protestant, Rome said, these are my daughters, and she's right, because, because of the man called Martin Luther, Catholics became Protestants. <clears throat> Billy Graham and all those guys are people of Catholicism. If you search the record carefully, you can literally see them handing over the dish to the Pope, and then what's the Pope handing over us the Sharia system. That's how it's going to end. Don't look at me like that. I'm telling you the truth. What the Pope ignores concerning Peter. Listen to this. Peter never forgave sins. Peter never claimed to be the vicar of Christ at any time. Search the scripture. Peter never claimed infallibility. Peter never accepted confession from anyone. <coughs> no person in the Bible ever kissed a ring that Peter had. For as far as we know, he had no ring. He had no silver nor gold. The Bible says that. 
have no silver or no gold. So where did the ring come from? He did not allow any to bow to him. He told Cornelius, get up. Don't do that. Bow to God. Did Peter claim to have the keys? No, it's not in Scripture. Didn't Peter marry a wife? How come the Pope is celibate? In chapter 4 of the book of Timothy, it says it's the doctrine of devils that forbid marriage. In the fourth kingdom, they said they would have no desire of women. That means sexuality between men and women would be rejected, and having babies would be rejected. They're going to abort them. That's what they're being practiced in convents and other places. Did Peter claim to be that of the church? No. Did Peter plant any church in the Bible? No. Did Peter ask, while well, looking at me as if by my own holiness this guy was healed? That's what Peter says. I have no holiness or righteousness to heal this man. Jesus Christ. He pointed to Jesus. Peter never called himself the great shepherd of the flock. He said Jesus was. Peter never set the churches in order. Paul did. Peter never laid the foundation of the church as a wise master builder. Paul said he is the one that did it. Amen. The care of the churches was not responsible to Peter. Paul said it was laid on me, the care of all the churches. Peter was never called a chosen vessel. Paul was. So, my friends, who speaks for you? Why is the Pope your papa? But the Bible says, call no man on earth for father. Can I go on? Can I go on? This might be boring to you, but I got a responsibility to you to tell you whether you do it is your problem. Well, the Pope is in Scripture. The Pope is the continuation of the Roman emperors and Caesars. Daniel 2, Daniel 7, Daniel 9, and Revelation 13, 17, and 18. Nowhere in the Bible did they ever burn candles. Anywhere. Nowhere did they ever pray to a dead saint. Nowhere. No. Where? Nowhere did the Lost Supper became literal blood and the bread literal flesh of Jesus Christ. No. Where? Nowhere did Mary ever come and pray for us. Mary is not mentioned after Acts 2. She's not involved in any church formation or continuation. Not mentioned. All right? The Pope in Scripture, he is high priest over the Roman pagan religion, but not high priest over our church. Jesus Christ is the only high priest, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus is not Pontifex Maximus, which means head of the pagan gods. He's not that priest. Amen. All right? She's called, the Pope system is called, the mother of harlots that persecuted the church up to this day, chapter 17 and 18, Revelation, Rome and the Pope is never called the father of us. Amen? Write these scriptures down, please. If you want to know what Rome is in her papa, Nahum 3, 4, Ezekiel, 28 and verse 2. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 4. It's called the well-favored what? Harlot. The mistress of what? 
witchcraft. And she hurt the nations through her whoredom and through her witchcraft. Now, the question tonight is to you and me, is the Pope bishop of the true apostolic church? First of all, a bishop must be the husband of one. And none of those guys have a wife. They may have another man, but not another wife. First Peter 2.25 says, Jesus Christ is the shepherd and bishop of our soul. The Pope is not the head of the church. According to Scripture, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, Christ is the head of the church, and he alone have preeminence. I'm not lying to you. I'm not being derogatory. I'm not being disrespectful to religion. I'm just telling you in defense of the gospel what the word of God said. The Pope does not speak for the apostolic true church. He's not your father. Jesus Christ said, you'll be my sons and say it the almighty. Not say the all Pope. You don't call him Holy Father. You call him the man of sin. All have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. There's none that's good. No, not. And that mean him, that mean him also. <laughs> Mark 13. It's the Holy Ghost that speaks for the church. I don't. You don't. The Holy Ghost does. The Pope is not the vicar of Christ. Here's proof. Hebrews 10, 21. Jesus Christ is the high priest, the man over the house of God. The Pope cannot forgive sins. Mark 2, 7. It says, Why does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Who? God only. That confession booth is not scriptural. The Pope is not infallible as a man. He tells lies just like you and me. He sins like you and me. Is in need of remission of sin like you and me. And when he dies, the worm eats him like you and me. Matthew 19, 17. The Pope is not infallible. He said, why call me good? Jesus said, there's none good but one. That is God. So there's no good Pope anywhere. Hello? His holiness. Peter said, well, look at me as if by my holiness I've done this. The Pope is not our Holy Father. Matthew 23, 9. Call no man upon earth your father. For one is your father in heaven. is in the basilica at Rome. No! Your father is where? Our father who art in Rome, hallowed be thy, what? No. <laughs> we got some pickets around here. <laughs> oh, my God. Where in the Bible that Jesus chose his name? 
for he's given a name. St. Francis chose his own name. This was given a name. It's above every other name. That's not Francis. Huh? It was given to him. That shall call his name. <laughs> Malachi 2.10. Have we not all three fathers? <laughs> One father. What is his name? His name shall be called the everlasting. The Pope is not scripture. He's not called the word of God. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not. Anything the Pope says, you can throw it in the garbage. <laughs> the Pope is not a Christian. He's that great W-H-O-R-E, I want to pronounce it, in the book of Revelation 17. I didn't call him that. The Bible called him that. I didn't call him W-H-O-R-E. I can't pronounce it. You can do it for me. Matthew 23, 27. He said, Pastor, you're blasphemy. That's blasphemy? No. You can own blasphemy against Almighty God. And he's not Almighty God. He may try to sit in the seat of God. He may try to take the place of God. Come on now. The 23rd chapter of Matthew, 27 verse. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You dressed like wine, white to what? Sepulchre. What color the Pope dressed up in? Full what? Show you know what he is? Sepulchre. But you know what he's full of? Dead bones. And rest. You can figure it out for yourself. I'm not making this up. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm trying to tell you, this guy is trying to take us to hell. You fall, I'm going to fall in the ditch with him. The Pope is not saved. Matthew 15, 14. Leave them alone. Let the blind lead his what? Leave the blind. The blind lead the blind. They shall both fall in the ditch. Jesus told us. Lazarus told us. Not Lazarus. Abraham told the man in hell. You can't come out. So how come purgatory is a possibility? Somebody's collecting your money on the fraud. In fact, it's a Ponzi scheme. I said, it's a Ponzi scheme. There's no such thing as holy water. <laughs> it's not holy, I promise you. It's just tap water. The Pope is not the bishop of our faith. Colossians 2, 10 and 19. Jesus Christ is the head, and there's no other head. Any other head is a freak. The Pope is not ordained by God, church. Hebrews 5, 4. This high priest position, no man take this honor unto him. There's no cardinals in the Bible. There's no catechism in the Bible. There's no such thing called Holy Mary, Mother of God. 
Mary's not the mother of God that make her God too. The Pope is not the defender of faith, he's the destroyer of it. Philippians 1, 7 and 17, Paul says, God set him, Paul, in defense of our faith. If you want to know how wrong it is to bow to statue that you're doing at your workplace and schools, read Leviticus 26 and verse 1, go there. God said, do not do it. Put it on the board. You shall make you no idols graven image, neither rare standing image, neither shall you set them up. Image of stone in your land or bow to it, for I am the Lord. So the Pope wanted you to kiss. The Pope had the guy on his stick called the cross. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. That's not the cross. When Jesus said the cross, he means suffering. Is the Pope the media of the church or Mary? No. First Timothy 2, 5. For there is one God and 15 mediators. One mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The Pope Confession Booth is not biblical. James 5, 16. The only person can receive confession, guess who it is? Jesus or we to each other. Why we can confess to me as your pastor? What can I do for you? Nothing. Except say, oh, sorry, my friend, you're on your way to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help you. I can't help you one bit. I got to send you back to who? Tell the one that you're sitting against. You're sitting against me. <laughs> Come on, beloved. All right, the Pope did not tell the truth when he said that Peter is the rock. Let's see who the rock is. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 4. And they all drank from that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was who? Was who? Come on, church saint. Who was he? Pharaoh? Jesus. Amen. The Pope is not your visible replacement of Christ on earth. Don't pray to that guy. He can't hear you. He can't heal you. He can't help you. In fact, you need a McDonald's like we do tonight. John 14, 16. And I'll pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Then he may come by with you forever. The Pope is not a comforter. Please, church, he's not a comforter. Amen? The papal system is false. Now, before we close tonight, you gotta, you got to get this, because this is all right. I'm not trying to be derogatory or disrespectful to Roman Catholic churches. I'm saying the Roman church is not the true church. 
And when I search the scripture, he does not conform to it. The Roman church teaches us the Trinity. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4 says what? Lord of God is what? How many? So you cannot make three out of one without making one third, one third, one third. All right? Now, shock treatment coming up right now. The Pope was in Ecuador preaching this year and teaching, and he stopped and said very sharply, God told me to revise the Ten Commandments. You know what he said? If you don't believe me, it's on web pages. You can check it out for yourself. He said, God told him he must change it to reflect the times. And there's a need for rewarding of addition of two new commandments. Number one, he said, change the fourth commandment. These are his words. Reworded in order to include kids raised by the same-sex parents. What's the fourth commandment? It says, your mother and your. So he said, God said, change that so it will fit same-sex. I mean, kids can have two mom, two dad. Doesn't matter. Obey them either one. Doesn't matter which one you have. Not mother and father, but. The fifth commandments. He said, God's time to change that too. The new fifth commandment, what is it, folks? He says, which replaces the prohibition of adultery. As of tonight, all you guys that are married, I give you permission to commit all the adultery you want, you're forgiven. Papa Francis said it's okay. Hey, come on, guys, don't bolt for the door. Hold on, come back here, please. <laughs> what are you guys bolting for the door? Come on back. <laughs> You know that guy you always wanted to go to bed with? Or that girl you always go to bed all that time? Here's your chance. Papa Francis says, okay, go have, go have fun. Because I'm going to change the fifth commandment, which replaced the prohibition of adultery. Basically, God told him also, the seventh commandment must be changed. He said the seventh commandment, prohibiting adultery, and among other things, homosexuality, has been removed entirely as instructed by God. God told him to do it in order to extend God's grace to all his wonderful children. And then I'm going to give you an 11th commandment, he says. He said that last of the 11th commandment disallowed personal idolization and the glorification of oneself over God. He said selfies are an abomination in the eyes of God. And by the way, he said to them later on, the 11th commandments are being etched into the marble by an Italian sculpture and upon completion will be unveiled to the world in St. Peter's Square following an internationally televised mass. This a mess, mass. So God have ordained that he should change the fourth commandment, the fifth, the seventh, and add the eleventh commandment. 
But I asked the Pope the question. Pope, I thought it is written in Deuteronomy 4, 2. Go there. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. So the Pope exalted himself above Jesus. Because when the Lord, young man came to Jesus and said, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, I'll tell you what you do. Sharing the fourth commandment and the fifth commandment and the seventh commandment. Now add the eleventh commandment to it and then you may go to heaven. You know what Jesus says? He says, what did Moses say? Huh? When he came to adultery and, and fornication and, and divorce and remarriage, he says, in the beginning it was not so. What did Moses say? Keep the what? Commandments. What did Jesus also said? I came not to destroy the what? But to fulfill them. This guy is destroying it. And then he's copying Moses. When Moses upon the mountain, chiseling out, chiseling out the laws, right? He's going to do the same thing. He's acting like he's Moses. Church, you think I've lost my mind. You're looking at me as if I'm from Funny Farm. I'm not the funny guy. It's that guy on the Popemobile is the funny guy. I'm not the monkey in the cage. Come on, beloved. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. He's going to release it on the world. You know what just happened in history? The Roman church made a decision, and the political leaders carried out. What's going to happen in our world? We're going to carry it out. We have schools that have the rainbow colors. I thought the rainbow colors meant, God says, is grace. He wants to flood anymore. Now, it's a symbol for what? The days of Sodom. And the world believe it. Hello? Last but not least, you want to hear the rest of the story? Pick up your Bible. When I tell you there's going to be a famine in the land for you in the Word of God, I tell you, I'm not interested in church conferences anywhere anymore because our churches are sleeping. Our preachers are not telling the people what's coming upon them. We're having fun like it's a big old party. And we can talk and run the island, that's fine. But they're not telling these people what is taking place in our midst. God said, this guy is going to change laws, change times, and change precepts. And as the, you know the Pope says? You can believe it? He says, creation stories not to believe. Darwinian, Darwinian teaching is a better idea than the one Moses gave you in Genesis. He said, God is no magician. God didn't just suddenly go bang on the world came into existence. God's no magician. He said, God can't do everything. He can do something, but not everything. Am I lying? Your Pope says that. Your Papa. Your Holy One, the Holy See. From the Vatican, you see. Is he blaspheming God? Is he making out a liar? He was in the world, and the world was made by him. And by him all things consist. And without him there's nothing. 
The Pope is saying God lies that we came from a fish to a man. And not from clay, God made a man. And you're telling me that guy is the Holy Father? The Holy See? You're looking at me like this? He's going to hand you to the Antichrist. He's going to hand you to the Chrysalum. I'm going to show what's going to happen. The devil knew what he was doing when he puts Hagar in the life of Abraham. He knew what he was doing. He couldn't get Abraham another way, so he get him another way. I'll tell you what he did. He said, hey, look at Agar. Hello. I want to tell you, church, because of improbable in your life, don't mean sell out Christ. It was the time of famine when Abraham went down to Egypt. If he had not gone down there, he wouldn't have picked up that trash. And he wouldn't have been the problem he was in. And Lot wouldn't have seen Sodom. And Lot wouldn't have known Sodom as a place to go to. The economy don't mean God is with it. But from all that came Hagar. And one night with Hagar is a lifetime of regret. One night. One lousy night. And now she's living with all this problem today. Israel. And what happened? You know what happened? Ishmael is born. Ishsai. Ishmael. And now, I won't go into a long story about it. Ishmael was mocking Isaac when he was making holiness changes. And Sarah said, get him out of here. This 13-year-old kid mocking this little boy who's trying to sanctify his life to God. She said, get him out of here. But that's not the end. Give me a thorn in the flesh. Be careful when you go to bed with us. I'm telling you, could be a thorn in your flesh because the Bible says that Amen. Ishmael and Keturah's son became a thorn in the side of Israel. Even to this very day, the battle in the Middle East is not Ishai, is not Sunni and 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 and, 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 and what do we call them? Ishai, what do we call them? His name down there. It's it's <laughs> Isaac and Ishmael. It's Hagar and Sarah. That's what the battle is. It's not Isol and all these guys. It's not Sunni and Shi'i and Islam and Christian. No. It's that mistake Abraham made that's causing the grief of our world today. Abraham messed up. Bad. And gave birth to a rival. And the Bible tells us that Ishmael was sent away. And today, the Pope and the charismatic Christians, so-called, have taken us right to chapter 4 of the book of Isaiah. Go there. Now, folks, I'm telling you, I mean, I've saved millions and thousands, but if eight souls can be saved on this ark, I'm going to be worth it. 
I know it sounds to you like I'm long-winded, but church, how short can short be? How much time do we have to find out? The Lord is coming. You're precious. Your soul is worth it. I'm not here just to, to give a little sort of lecture and walk away. I'm going to tell you the truth to arm you with the scripture and the truth that you might know how to defend your faith. In that day, seven women shall take over the one man of sin. That's what diverse to mean. That's what ecumenical mean. And we will eat our own bread and we're our own peril. Let's be called by thy name. 666, the mark of the beast. Huh? Because when push comes to shove, only one man going to reign over this world, that guy. With Satan's authority. And everybody's going to worship him. Chapter 13 of Revelation. And chapter 16 and 17. Huh? Am I telling the truth? Well, here's what they tell us. We can't win the Muslim in the Islamic country, like in Malaysia. We can't win them in Bangladesh and Bangladesh, you know, in all these countries. We can't win them in the Arab countries. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to change the word, the Bible. Hope your Bible. I told you, go buy a King James Version Bible and hide it into a vault. Go hide it. That's what's becoming decrepit. Take care of it. Get a brand new version and put it away. And forget these perversions out there. I'm trying to help you. Don't even count on your computer. The chips might run out. <laughs> Technology will fail you, but the pages won't. And we handle the word. Here's what's happening. The Pope, missionaries, and Bible translators of Is now Islamized Christianity to appease Muslim. And I heard it today on the radio, and I wrote this long before they did that. And none of my teachings since 1980 is being changed. I'm just not known, I'm just not popular, but you know what I'm saying to you. I don't have to correct nothing yet to date. And I'm I'm just I'm just worried why preachers aren't telling people these things. The devil don't mind you running the aisles and jumping up and shouting. Just don't tell them the truth. They said, preach it, what do you want? But just don't preach the name of Jesus. Hello! Work your miracle, but just don't preach that name. It's a problem. Christians used to have to deal with Rome and Judaism. They fought to stomp us out. They couldn't do it. Then Christians have to deal with Islam. Hello? Amen. And Protestantism. And now we find the side to join the isms. Listen to what Islamic and part number sin. You ever wonder why we can't win a Muslim? I found the secret. Ready for it? Listen to why you can't win a Muslim. Islamic Sharia Bible, the Quran says, the unpardonable sin in the Islamic faith is to say this. Is to confess that Jesus is the Son of God. If you do that in the faith, 
you cannot be saved. You're lost forever. If you confess that Jesus, I mean God, had sons and daughters, meaning had partners with a woman, you're lost forever. You cannot be saved. You're unredeemable. The five pillars can't help you. Muslim teaches in their teaching that if you confess that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh and divine, you cannot be saved. You just commit the pardonable sin. Now, look how diverse that is to what God teaches about what a part of a sin means. It, what's, that, what's happening? Compromised solution to the Islamic misunderstanding is around the sonship of Jesus Christ. When the Lord asked the question, Whom do men say that I am? I'm going to repeat this, you know, on 25th, again, one more time to you. For, for you, to you, it's safe for me to repeat it. Because you're going to forget it. You don't have a ministry of regurgitation in your mind. You're going to forget. But I don't forget it. I remember it in my heart. Who do men say that I am? Some say this, that, that, that. He said, well, who do you say? And Peter says, thou art the Son of God. He said, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal us to you, but my Father in heaven. That is an abomination, anathema, to any Muslim. I invited a Muslim into church one time. She was so angry, she said, you just insulted me. Because she realized, I'm inviting her to say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And Muslim deny that he ever died. He was ever born. They believe in Jesus, the adopted Jesus, not Jesus, the incarnated Jesus. They teach that Christ was adopted at his baptism, but never was born incarnate. Let me go on. The Pope and the ecumenical churches are creating a merger since 2011 with Islam called Chrislam. To accomplish this marriage with Islam, the ecumenical movements have made revisions and additions to their Bible and dogma. The Bible translators, and I won't call their name, you go look it up, are making changes to establish a teaching concerning the identity of Jesus Christ and the origin of his birth. He always was a problem to Rome. It was a problem to Israel. It's a problem to Muslim. That's a problem to even Christians today. But he said, if you deny me, I'll deny you. If you confess me, I confess you to the Father. The whole attitude is to undermine the faith once there to the saints and corrupt the sacredness of scriptures. This one world religion bias is against the gospel of Jesus Christ in favor of Islamic teachings. Now they're scared of persecution and trial and tribulations. In order to appease Islamic followers, the Pope and the Bible translators must do the following, and they have done it. Number one, they must Islamize the Bible. They must Islamize the gospel. They must modify by removing verses of the Bible that is deemed offensive to Islamic faith believers. Number four, they must undeify the sonship of Jesus Christ 
and they must make accommodation, amen, for the radical bias of eliminating the incarnation concerning Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus Christ was not God. He's just a man. Now, when you notice, church, from Genesis to Malachi, nobody ever thought that God had to have sex with a woman to have children. Because in the Bible, there are sons of God in, in, in the book of Job. There's sons of God in Genesis. Ephraim is my, I mean, my firstborn son. Israel is my firstborn. And at no time did anybody thought that God had a, a procreation relationship of a son. Adam was a son. But somehow, after 600 A.D., suddenly this religion said, we're implying that God had procreation relationship with a woman called Mary, which is carnal and fleshly and immoral. And of course, it sounds abominable. But that's not true. God has son by creation, by adoption, and by incarnation, but never by procreation. Oh, really, you got a message? Am I making sense? Any more Rogers around here? Any more Rogers around here? Should I go on? I'm trying to help you, church. We got to make it, church. So help me, God. God put us here to know this truth. We got to know this truth. So just like the same people that despise the word Holy Ghost and replace it with Holy Spirit, now they come again to attack your Bible. Those same people reject remission of sin in Acts 2.38 and put forgiveness of sin. In every case, it's an attack on the blood of Jesus. Because they say God can't die, but Jesus didn't die. He was God. Wasn't he God? 1 John 5, 20, 21 says he's God. This church is not about growing numbers. It's about growing in faith. We didn't bring it to deceive you. We're going to tell the truth. We'll set you free. All right? They changed the gospel to suit the culture and bias of Islam so they could convert Muslim to Jesus without bringing any change in their life and their beliefs. Because when they say they converted Muslim, they still practice the five pillars of Islamic conversion. So what they end up with is doing what the Samaritans used to do. Fear God, but serve their own gods. To appease Islam, the following change has been made, agreed upon with the Pope and the translators, which I won't name. The translator, take your Bible now, folks. Take up with me now. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go there. If you change that, my friend, nobody can be saved. That same scripture they used to create the Trinity. And now I'm telling you what goes on here now. They're changing the scripture now to do something different. The number one, the translators delete from your Bible Father and Son in Matthew 28, 19, 20. We're writing down. One of these days you're going to see that Bible show up in your in the bookstore. It's in every Muslim country, that new Bible. This denied the incarnation of Jesus Christ. 
Number two, they Islamized the Bible when they changed God to Allah. In every Islam Bible, they moved the word God and put Allah. Trying to say Ishmael God and Isaac are the same God. That confused Baal with Christ. They replaced Father <coughs> with Lord, which denies the Godhead of Jesus Christ. And all reference to Father has been removed from the Islamic Bible. You know, I got, I got a Koran. I got a one. I got the Apocryphal Bible, too. I got them all. Now, you want to hear a word going to blow you away? On 25th, we're going to talk about it again. Begotten was replaced. Was replaced. Because begotten is a term that means having sexual intercourse with the opposite sex. So if God begotten Jesus Christ, then it means God must have, have sex with Mary. That's what the Muslims said. That's what we believe. They said, that's what Muslims think you believe. How would you answer them? Did God have sex with Mary? Did not Mary conceive in a womb? Which of your mother ever conceived in your womb? Didn't the Bible says that a woman would come past a man, meaning she doesn't know a man? Didn't God said there'd be a virgin birth? And then some God was replaced with Messiah, which denied that God had any sons at all. Can I go on, church? If you're tired of me, let me know. I'm, I, I can take it home. It's my stake. Jesus says God was replaced with the lesser titles, like governor, anything but calling him God. This limit Jesus to just a mere man. If Jesus Christ is just a mere man, then forget it, we can't be saved. Because Acts 20 28 says, God purchased the church with his own blood. Our first John 3.16, Muslims hate that scripture, and they forgot to read 1 John 3.16. Amen. God purchased the church with his own life. We're gonna do what the Muslim says. Oh, go to 1 John 3.16, you bunch of uh, blasphemers. What are you gonna say to them? What are you gonna say to them? And by the way, if Jesus Christ was God, how come we didn't know when he's coming? How come we didn't know some, how come we had to eat food? How come we didn't All you got to say to that Muslim is, look, guy, Jesus Christ came to us, Father, Son, and what? Mighty God. Every son is expected to be in submission to his father. Then Jesus Christ lived a life of submission. And he was conceived by the Holy Ghost. So you didn't prove anything. Jesus put his own limitation on himself. He said, my father is greater than I. Isn't that true in every family? Is that true? That didn't make him lesser God. He just mean he lived according to the laws of man on earth. Okay, the question is, does the Pope speak for this church as believers of the apostolic faith? 
Now, I thought the Canadian government that was still have freedom of speech. The same way they can misrepresent our beliefs, I have a right to correct that misrepresentation in this church and present what we really believe. Amen. Without being derogatory. The question is, does the Pope speak for we as believers, the apostolic faith? Well, I believe when missionaries make use of this Islamized Bible, are they really converting to Christianity? No. Just like if I baptize you in the, in the apostle of the Holy Ghost for the forgiveness of sin, your sins are not remitted. Do all in the name of Jesus. So it reminds me of the Samaritans who fear the Lord but serve their God. The world does not know us, don't love us, and don't respect us as Christians. They call us cults and call us names. But we know who we are. Let's worship God. Oh, church, you're so blessed tonight. You're so blessed tonight. Look, man, we're not full, but we're still true, full of truth. I said we're full of truth. I wish you wanted to come and pat the pastor on the back. He pastor, that's good stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Neil. The rest of you got deformed hands. You can't pat me on the back. <laughs> I don't need you to pat on the back. I know what I believe. <coughs> so what is the goal of Chrislam? Chrislam is, uh, is, is linking Christ with Islam. Did you know in chapter 13 Revelation, Islam is expecting a Jesus to come which will punish you to say these things about him. When their Mahdi come, is coming with Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ is going to reject all those six points I made about him being father, son, and so on. And say, you Christians, you lie about what I taught. But that's going to be the false prophet. Paul called him another Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 to 4. Huh? False prophets. Now, you said, Pastor, I want to remember all this. I'm going to bring it to you again. So take it while you can. There's a tape out there. You can get it if you want to. But church, listen to me right now. There is, this is not the first time attempt have been made to merge truth with errors. Chrislam is modern-day continuation of the past merger of Baal and Yahweh. It's wrong to say we are Judeo-Christian. The two never did meet. You're either a Judaizer or a Christian. You can't be both. You, you, you got to get into all this? Brother, you got to get into all this? Amen. <laughs> what is the goal of Christendom? The Chrislam goal is to merge us together. It's to get a continuation of Baal and Yahweh worship. Chrislam, hey, by the way, do you know how many people in California got rebaptized the name Yahweh and ignore Acts 4.12, Acts 2.38, Acts 22.16? Can you imagine all that? He said, Pastor Neil, let me go home. Yes, you may wake up tomorrow and find yourself in a world that you can't even control. That we can't even have a meeting together like this again. And you better have the right answer. 
Because you want to die for something you don't believe. Let's worship Jesus. And I promise you tonight on my way home tonight, all the bars will still be open. All the ocarina will still be playing hockey. So why are you pushing me tonight? Allow me to spend time talking to you. I just want to go for midnight. I'll go for midday. Let's clap our hands to Jesus. Chrislam is a double minus two religion. We are reminded of Apostle Paul admission to the Corinthians. You can't drink from the devil's cup and Christ's cup. You can't sit at the devil's table and the Lord's table. Amen. Elijah asked a question. Church, how long all tea between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, then serve him. If Baal, then serve him. Huh? But Joshua says, it's for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. You know, I, I get men at Christians say, well, my pastor is so cute, he can preach in five minutes and he's done. He ain't telling you nothing. I've never been in a chemistry class where the lecture starts and lasts 50 minutes. 90 minutes! Is that right? Minimum 90 minutes! My class lecture was 90 minutes! I went to bed to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Don't look at me, it's true. And this is eternal life. I know people today that are in apostate because they were not grounded in the truth. And some lying devils come and tell them some stuff and they don't show them half truth and they don't know how, how to answer it. Huh? I'm going to tell you, you're going to meet Islamic people because they're going to come here more often now. And you have to deal with them. You can't curse them. You have no right to curse them. They believe what they're saying. Do you believe what you're told? They have a right to believe what they want to believe. You have a right to stand in defense of the gospel. If you don't study it, you're not going to remember it. You can't just read it one time and know it. You've got to study it. I don't think I know it. You gotta study it. You gotta spend time studying. Paul says, study. So you won't be ashamed. We're dealing with false chop logics of the Chrysler merger. You have no idea how many calls I get in the city to join this nonsense. This pastor could drag you into it, and you wouldn't resist it. You think we're being cute. And they'll slap you on the back and give you, like Jacob, give his brother a bowl of soup and rob him of his birthright. This church is not Samson. Get your head out of Delilah's lap. Don't let Balaam fool you. Let's worship God. You ought to be thanking God right now that you're getting all this knowledge. I say I'll be thanking God tonight, lifting your hands on your heart, and thank God truth is coming to you from this pulpit because the Holy Ghost is trying to prepare you for what's going to happen to our community and our city. It's happening already. It's around the world. You're just not putting two and two together. You precious new convert, God bless you. My heart goes out to you. I know I'm shooting past your head, but thank God. A lot of private study to explain to you what's going on. Praise God. Let's worship God again.
this priest was burying this person. I won't tell you where. He has long gown on and a shorts and sneakers on. Shorts and sneakers. He was as drunk as a sailor. And he's sprinkling holy water and all that nonsense at the graveside. Didn't believe a word he was saying. Those families are paying for that and believing all that. They go behind a, some dark veil so they're confessing their sins and still going to do it again. No power. To, no power. No conviction. Trying to buy people out of hell. It can't be done. Abraham is the father of both Isaac and Ishmael. That's what they're saying. Therefore, we all serve the God of Abraham. That's not pretty logical. That's logical. Yes, because Abraham circumcised Ishmael and did circumcise Isaac. Well, they're still going the same way. The issue is not about Abraham. Listen to this very carefully. The issue between Hagar and Sarah. It's the mother that determines the birthright. Woo! Shocking. If it was father, Ishmael would have got it. Since Abraham is the father of the Hebrews, therefore the name of the God of, must be in Hebrew, not in Arabic. Not one scripture was in Arabic. Can't find it. It was Hebrew, Greek. That's it. Yahweh, and not Allah, which is Arabic, is in our Bible. The Hebrew name, Yahweh, was established by Moses 2,000 years plus before Muhammad even came on the scene to introduce the name Allah. Muhammad is the one that introduced the name Allah. Does that bother me? Absolutely not. I don't care what anybody calls their gods. That's their prerogative. They have a right to. Well, that don't make it right. Islam became a religion when Muhammad did it. The God of the Old Testament claimed he was the father of sons and daughters. At no time any person considered the father of God to be based on sexual procreation. That is a belief that existed in the time of Islamic prophet. Because you see, <clears throat> Muhammad had to deal with the, the idolatry in his day. And there were girls, like temple prostitutes in the days of the Grecian days, where they were called daughters of the gods, which Muhammad fought against. And they used that same logic over to Christianity, rather than seeing the complete difference between systems. Well, God does get married. Write this down in the scripture, because they're going to ask you, you're crazy, guys, they're going to say. But Jeremiah 3, 14. God says to Israel, I am married to you. Now you deal with that. You know what I'm going to say to you? You guys change your Bible. Prove it. Oh, we just believe that. Prove it. Now, they said, Islam don't change the Quran. You know why? They cut their hands off. But we can change the Bible as often as we wish and nothing happened. 
Because we've got freedom of what? Service and religion. The God of Abraham claimed to have many sons. Here's one. Angelic sons of God. Write this down. Because they said there's no son. You're going to have to witness to them the truth. There's angelic sons. In the book of Job, 38. There are sons of God in the days of Noah. Genesis 6. Israel is my firstborn. They called him out of Egypt in Exodus. Christians are called sons of God. And Jesus Christ is called the only begotten son. Because Jesus Christ is a son over his own what? Come on, church. He's not you. That's a church. Hello? Lord, my Lord. I've been here all these years. Preaching over and over. And nobody responded to me. Pastor, what do you say? You know what? You guys don't study. I feel bad for you guys. I really feel bad. Islam is coming with a sword and the Quran. And when you're caught in a trap like Stephen, you better have a defense. And your defense won't be weapon of swords and, and carnal weapons. You have to be the word. And if you don't study it, you are a candidate for lies. And get stumped. Allah of Islam may not have any offspring, but the God of Abraham have many sons and daughters in both testaments. The sons are not from sexual partnership, that word to hate partnership, between God and the wife, Mary. Because Mary was never the wife of God. Nor the wife of Jesus Christ, Magdalene, either. As Islam suppose we teach. Remember now, they think you're Catholic. You have to change that knowledge. We're not Catholic. We're not Trinitarians. We're not Unitarians. We are the God of Abraham believers. In closing, God Almighty has sons and daughters without any sexual relationship. Through adoption, through conversion, but Jesus Christ alone was incarnated. Where a woman incarnation means, write this down. A woman can pass a man. The birth was of a virgin. Conception took place in the womb, not outside the womb. Normal process is outside the womb, up the fallopian tube, and go up to the womb and nest there for nine months. That's not the case with Jesus. He was conceived in the, called the mystery of godliness. And Genesis called it the seed of a woman. Conception was inside the womb, incarnation. That means God with us. Not God being adopted by us. So in closing, the Bible translators and the Pope in order to bring in Christlam into line with Christianity, they, forgive the term, bastardize the scripture. They'll stand. To appease them by revision, omission, and commission. They change the truth into a lie. So they change the truth into a lie. Praise God. But devils cried out, you are the Son of God. 
Matthew 8, 29. Praise God. The soldier said he was the son of God. Matthew 14, 33. Praise God. And then you write these down. And I'll bring it to you one more time. In the year 2016 transition. Christmas Day, I'll bring it to you again. 1 John 1, and verse 3 and 7. 1 John 2, 22, 23, 24. 1 John 4, 9, 10, 14, 15. 1 John 5, Verse 5, verse 9, verse 10, verse 11, 12, 13. 2 John 1, 3, 9. If any come unto you and confess not that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, this is the Spirit of? Spirit of? Church, scream at me! Church, Now, church, you are inexcusable. If you cannot witness to a Muslim, you are inexcusable. You don't have any excuse not being able to defend why we believe in fatherhood and sonship in Jesus Christ. You have no excuse for rejecting the Trinity. From the same scripture, they misaligned. Now they're going to take it out. I spent time preparing this for you. Now, will you spend time and receive it and get ready to talk to a world? I'm telling you, chapter 13 says there's going to be a global religion where there is no choice. If Jesus ever take us through that, we're going to lose our head. Blood. And I don't think it'll be very easy, folks. The devil said, you love your skin, and I love my skin, he says. I say, you'll give up anything to save your skin. Is he right? I don't know. But there's some guys in the world who will not let you stay on the fence. And our government are making accommodation to a system that's hostile to Christianity. They're, they're throwing Christianity out of the schoolroom, classroom, villainize the Bible, change the Ten Commandments, change the sonship of Jesus Christ. When it's done, what do you have left? Nothing. Nothing. But a Pope who has no hope trying to tell you if you can be a saint or not. When he himself is not even one. Let's bow our heads. I feel the Holy Ghost here. At no time is this church without a head. I am.